Okay, uh, well, that happened. Uh, no sound effects, no cheesy lead-in. Uh, the Browns got their ass kicked today. And uh, I'll just say this. It had nothing to do with the fact that we're decimated with injuries on offense. We're on our fourth quarterback today. That ain't the reason why we lost. We couldn't run the ball today. That's not the reason why we lost. We had significant injuries again today. Boy, that is a theme over the last several weeks. That wasn't the reason why we lost. We lost because our so-called best defense in the NFL is no longer that and is not even close to that right now. The Browns got absolutely shredded today. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No excuses. I don't want to hear the injuries. Yes, do we have a lot of injuries? Yes. They're mostly on the offensive side of the ball. But the offense was not the reason why we lost the game. Not, not by a long shot. People want to say, oh, yeah, that Joe Flacco interception he threw in the fourth quarter. <sighs> Listen, I, I thought the game, I thought we lost the game when that, that extra point got missed. I thought quite literally the entire, all of the air that was in our balloon when we scored that touchdown to tie the game was gone in 30 seconds with that missed extra point. And, of course, we didn't score another point the rest of the game. We got absolutely crushed in the fourth quarter. But we're going to talk about it, even if we don't want to. What's up, everybody? This is the Browns LOTL postgame show. I'm Dan. Here with Steven, as always. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that That's pretty about it. That pretty much sums it up. Uh, your cold open was about as <laughs> covered a lot. And, yeah, that's that's the story. Um, Bad, the, the, man. The, the main headline is exactly what you said. The defense was absolutely pathetic today. Stinks! Flat out terrible. They didn't do a darn thing today. I think, what, they forced two punts in the first half. And other than that, they didn't, they didn't do diddly, didn't do anything. diddly poo. It was like no sacks, no tackle for loss, no Zero turnovers, sacks. Nothing. Zero turnovers. And a whole hell of a lot of points given up. And yards, too. Because you know that the interesting lie about this Browns defense is people say it's the best in the NFL. It ain't the best in the NFL when you're talking about how many points they give up. It was the best in the NFL because of how many yards they gave up. And they gave up 400 today. It was just a total mess. I mean, that was prime Matthew Stafford today. I mean, we made him look like an MVP. Matthew Stafford today was 22 of 37 for 279 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I mean, yeah. Kyron Williams was 21 carries, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Puka Nakua. Puka 
freaking Nakua. Who I'll be honest, I hardly heard of before today. Um, he had two carries for 34 yards, and he would have had way more than that had a play in the fourth quarter. And it was like a 50-yard gain get canceled out by a holding penalty. Yeah, that was a jet sweep. He also um, he had another one of those earlier in the game. Man. Yeah, also four catches for 105 yards and a touchdown if you need him. So, heck, even Cooper Cup got on track today. He got in the end zone for the first time since week six. Yay, great, yeah. great. Yeah, just... yeah, my first-round pick in fantasy who uh, hasn't done – let me let me say it again – diddly – poo all year and it's the reason why i'm clutching this trophy so hard because it's only going to be in my possession for a few more weeks hmm. yeah it's your earlier points about the offense joe flacco aside from one play where he just couldn't get the ball out deep enough and underarmed it. Got Boy, that, was a, that was a like, brutal throw granted that came at a crucial point in the game because it was only a one-point game at the time you know, and that's in one of those situations where, like, you know, you can blame certain things on the coaching staff. I, I don't think you can put that on the coaching staff. That was just a straight execution issue, you know? Yeah, because Elijah Moore actually had – there was nobody was behind him. Yeah. You know, if he puts that ball on him, that could have been a touchdown. And that yeah. could have been – everything after that could have been totally different. Also, can we – listen, I would like to officially stop with the – and we haven't really done it. We just – you know he hasn't played very well, but or hasn't hasn't been very productive. Can we stop with the Elijah Moore slander? That guy is a good wide receiver when you actually use him as a wide receiver. At four catches for eighty three yards today, and, and again could have, you know, could have had been a bunch more, particularly yeah, on that. No, one let's play. use him on end arounds and and pitch backs and and stupid uh, goofy ass uh, throws behind the line of scrimmage and all this BS. Use him as a wide receiver. He's good. He's good. And it, again, like you just pointed out, if Joe Flacco had just made a good throw on that on that ball, he probably scores a 75-yard touchdown. And, you know, the Browns, honestly, could have left with a victory. I'm not going to say they would have for sure, yeah. but And again, I'm know, not I'm not putting yeah. that on I'm not really putting that on Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, listen, I I absolutely hate and loathe the if you would have told me this happened, I would have told you that this happened. It's like coulda, woulda, shoulda, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, you know, all that sort of crap. Yeah. But I'm going to do it right now. <laughs> if you would have told me Joe Flacco threw for 250 yards and two touchdowns today, I would have told you the Browns were going to win. Yeah, I would have too. And I would tell you that the Browns would probably win almost every game on their schedule given the way that their defense had been playing the first half of the season. But I'll tell you what, the way the defense has played the last two weeks specifically, Patrick Mahomes is not going to win these games. Right. Patrick Mahomes is not going to win these games. Josh Allen's not going to win these games. Jalen Hurts is not going to win these Wake games. Wake up! <sighs> oh, early in the season, oh, best in the world. Tell everybody, best in the world. I don't ever, 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 unless it's CM Punk, and even he is not allowed to say that crap anymore. I don't want to hear anybody on the Cleveland Browns defense saying best in the world. In what? What are you the best in the world in? It ain't stopping the run. I can tell you that. 
Rams had five yards of carry today. It ain't keeping people out of the end zone. I can tell you that. Rams did a bunch of that today. 65 points given up the last two games. To two, honestly, very average offenses Meh. at best. Offenses. Yeah. Awful. Awful. And again, it's for me, it's it, given the injury situation that this team is in, it is it is it's hard for me to get too upset about how about how they're playing right now and the fact that they're still seven and five, but I, listen, we've got a damn good football team coming into Brown Stadium next week. And in my opinion, the season very may well be on the line next week. I'm going to tell you right now, the season is on the line next week. Yes. And here's why. You talked about the Browns' defense early versus late. I think the more valid comparison is home versus away. Check this out. Yeah. The Browns, this season, at home, have given up a total of 61 points. Wow. 10.2 a game. And How- 28 of those came in the game against Baltimore where we didn't know that DTR was starting until like two hours before kickoff. Jeez. If you eliminate that game from the calculation, it would only be 33 points in five games. Seven Under seven points a game. They're literally not giving up a touchdown. So three, three, 28, 17, zero, and 10 wow. are, your, are your points. They literally played a game against Pittsburgh two weeks ago where they were trying to be as vanilla as humanly possible on offense because – they thought Pittsburgh's defense had a better chance of beating them than Pittsburgh's offense. Yeah. How quickly things have changed as far as game planning on defense. I don't so get it. I don't, get, what, like, what is it? Why? Well, I, here, here it is. Away from oh. home this season. You ready for this, folks? Uh, not, not really. Browns have given up 26, 38, 24, 31, 29, and 36. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not your nightly super lotto. That is, they they somehow they won two of those games. Yeah, the the games where they gave up thirty one and thirty eight were wins <laughs> against Baltimore and Indianapolis, respectively. And and if 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 not for a pass that uh, went off a guy's helmet, they might have won a third one, the one against Seattle. Yeah. So you got that's one eighty four or thirty point seven average. Now maybe. The Browns' defense could feel hard done by with the Pittsburgh game because the Steelers scored twice on defense in that game. So maybe you take that one out of the calculation. But, like, those other five games, all terrible. So, But, I mean, what it comes down to is the Browns have a historically good offense or a good defense when they play at home, and they have one of the worst defenses in the entire NFL when they play on the road. That's it. That's exactly it. That I mean, how is that possible? If I were to run the analysis on the yardage, it's probably very similar to this. Like, how is that even possible? I don't get it. It's not, and it's not like it's not like we we play all the all the good teams on the road, and we're playing all the bad teams at home. We beat San Francisco at home. I mean, so Pittsburgh is technically a playoff team right now. Beat them at home. Here, here's my grasping at straws on this. We can eliminate Pittsburgh because I feel like the defense was a legitimately hard done by in that game. Yeah. The other five of the other five games, three of them were played on turf and two of them were played indoors. The two games the Browns have played indoors this season, they've given up seventy four points in those two games. So what what is the correlation there? 
the correlation is that the Browns' defense is only good on grass. They can't play well on turf. But why? Or indoors. I I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. I, I I think maybe it's just, in particular, are when they you're not, on grass and the weather's cold and not good. Are like they maybe not fast enough? Timing-wise, is, is it's harder to play offense. Like, uh, your your margin for error on defense is much higher, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I'm really grasping at straws on this because the the numbers are really like the difference is so alarmingly different that, you know, I is it a speed issue? I wouldn't think so. Well, but I'll tell you, in the in case of the last two weeks, I think Denzel Ward's absence has been absolutely that, humongous. That's where I was going to go. Um, I mean, you talk about a guy secondary without him. You stinks. talk about a guy justifying his contract by his absence. Now, usually you would say, "Oh, oh, guy can't play. Why? Why are we paying him? Uh, you're you're seeing why you're paying him, right? I mean, yeah. The, just look at the last two games. He hasn't been able to play because of a shoulder injury. And what is it with this team and shoulder injuries? Denzel Ward, your franchise quarterback, out for the year because he f- he broke his shoulder. Miles Garrett, you, I mean, he's not even fifty percent right now." He hadn't even come close to sacking the quarterback the last two weeks. No. And he's playing base. He's playing on one bum shoulder. Frankly, I don't know why he's out there right now. <sighs> Man, I agree with you. I mean, not to say that he's hurting, and, and also you always got to give the guy props when he tries to play through injury, but, man. Yeah, I'm never going to accuse guys that are out there sure. when they're clearly not right of, like, saying that they shouldn't play. That's not a, a player issue. That's a coaching staff issue to to make that call. Yeah, you know, we saw it with Baker Mayfield. You know, back in twenty twenty one. There's another. Uh, there's another shoulder type injury. What is with this <laughs> franchise and shoulders? I feel like the strength and conditioning staff, or the strength and conditioning coach in particular, needs to answer some questions. Like, are they doing something wrong in like the the weight room or the way they're doing their strength training? I, I don't know. Like it's it is you know, bizarre. Got, you know, I got my soccer team that's had. That's had like twenty three different uh, muscle pulls this year, and is playing are playing uh, midfielders and wing backs at center back uh, this week. They won, thank God. But uh, I mean, football team can't can't get guys to have two healthy shoulders. What is going on? Does Deshaun Watson need to call up some of his masseuse? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, it's just, I ought to mute you for that. <laughs> I mean, whatever it takes to try to get some guys healthy. I mean, it's just, it's not good, man. No, but back it's just to the, hard, man. Back to the original again, point. How is the Browns offense looking better than the defense when you don't have Deshaun Watson? You don't have Nick Chubb. Yep. You didn't have Amari Cooper for most of this game. He went out injured. He's a concussion. You know, protocol. it's that's pro- might end up costing me my fantasy game. You have neither. Week. You have Thank neither you. of your starting tackles. You know. You know. Say what you want about how much we. David talk- Njoku, even though he played through it, burnt his face off. Yeah. About six weeks ago. And yet they look like a better unit than the defense does right now. Like, listen, that makes no sense. I I don't want to see, and I, I, we're doing this a couple hours after the game has been over, so I've seen it on social media. But being, I, I don't want to see anybody on social media or calling into to talk radio this week, uh, 
saying negative things about the head coach of this football team uh, and the uh, leader of this offense because what he's had to deal with this season is incredible. The fact that this team is even in this position, to be quite to be quite honest with you, is incredible. And I've been I've been critical of Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. Listen. And at times it's very warranted. Listen, you know, assuming that this team can somehow get to ten wins and get into the playoffs on a tiebreaker, I think that I, I think Kevin Stefanski's coach of the year. That's a very strong statement, but I definitely think he's in the discussion. I mean, no just just, just look at how many guys we have, how many guys in important positions. We just named them all off on on offense, and then to go over to defense. Now, defense we haven't we haven't had as many guys out, but we just talked about Denzel Ward. We talked about the fact that Miles Garrett is incredibly banged up. Like the amount of the Browns are banking. The the Browns are banking good injury luck in absolute barrels right now for seasons upcoming in the next few years. The Browns should not have any major injuries, in my opinion, after what they've gone through this year for the next three years. It's incredible the amount of injuries that we've had. This has been a really rough year for a lot of teams. And look, it is I agree. exceedingly hard as well. How many quarterbacks have gotten quarterbacks injured Quarterbacks is just ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Both New York teams, Minnesota, Indianapolis. Minnesota! I, 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 it's, you, we could, there's a whole bunch more we could name that we can't even think of off the top of our heads. But, like, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. You know, going back to your um, who's in the coach of the year discussion, you know, the two names that – when I look at the standings, I look at relative to the expectations of the teams at the start of the season. The two names I think of that are very high in that discussion or should be are D'Amico Ryans and Shane Steichen. Agreed. Could probably also throw Dan Campbell in there. Yeah, I definitely. I, I would throw him in there too. I mean, the Lion, I mean, the Lion, the Lions had some pretty lofty expectations this year, but just the simple fact that they've lived up to them is pretty incredible for an organization like Detroit. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean you're you're right on on both of those, definitely. Um, I mean the other guys that are probably in the mix, John Harbaugh, Mike McDaniel. Um I mean unless you I doubt it would go to either Nick Sirianni or Kyle Shanahan, but like you know, we'll see how things go, but I mean But yeah, I mean it But again, Kevin Stefanski was on again, course two weeks ago to maybe be the front runner for this. All story. of those guys that you just mentioned, yeah. uh, aside from Sean, uh, Shane Steichen, right, have all had their quarterback the entire season. That's right. Indianapolis is not, which is no. why I think. And their it's quarterback more to begin with, in it. their quarterback to begin with is a rookie, so it's not like they had an established uh, veteran. Veteran number one, right? Um. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess for me. It would come down to because both teams are tied record wise, even though the Browns have the head to head record, is who ends up getting into the playoffs between the Colts and the Browns. Yeah. If the Colts get into the playoffs and the Browns flounder, and let's say the Browns finish like nine and eight, then yeah, it's not going to be Stefanski. It should go to somebody like Shane Steichen. Right. But if the Browns finish ten and seven 
or you know, let's say that they win on sun next Sunday, and you know they they get on a little bit of a roll. The defense starts playing better, and they finish eleven and six and get in you know pretty easily. He's got to be up there for consideration, Kevin Stefanski. So, but man, gosh, could you the coulda woulda shoulda right now with this football team because of these injuries? It's like. Deshaun gets injured twice. Both times looks like that he's going that he's actually starting to play well. And the rug gets pulled out, yeah. out from underneath. I mean, him. literally. And then even De- Dorian Thompson Robinson in that Denver game started to look really good. Led us on that touchdown drive that got us to 14 to 12. Amari Cooper dropped the two point conversion. But then the very next offensive drive, he takes that shoulder that hit underneath the the uh, chin into the shoulder and gets concussed, and he's out. And speaking of which, you just noticed, I mean, you just mentioned something else I need to harp on here. Why can't the receivers hang on to the damn ball? Oh, this has been going man. on for weeks now, and it's really, really pissing me off. So, well, like, I'll tell you this. Um, I think, and it's it's kind of harsh. Um, it's kind of harsh to, to blame any of this on coaching because, like, you either catch the ball or you don't. It's like... I don't know how much coaching you can do to catch a football. Right. But practice on the jugs machine and stuff. But like that's I think I think the Browns are headed toward a, a coaching change in the wide receiver room. I would have to agree. They also need a talent infusion in the wide receiver room because listen, I love Amari Cooper. He's not gonna be back next year. Well it's either that well the only way he's gonna be back is on a discounted deal. The Browns are not gonna bring him back at twenty million a year. No. Uh, and I like Elijah Moore. I think Elijah Moore deserves another chance to actually play the position of wide receiver, not trying to not trying to fit him into a Debo Samuel role that does not suit him. Um, I think they need a talent infusion. And and Andrew Barry, I'm not talking about drafting a receiver in the third round. I'm not talking about drafting a receiver in the fifth round. Listen, I I understand we don't have a first round pick. If there's a wide receiver in the first round that you really like, F them draft picks. Go up and trade for a first-round pick and go get somebody. I I don't want another Anthony Schwartz. Oh, my word. I don't want another David Bell. The book is still out on Cedric Tillman. I thought he played really well last week. I thought he did some good things today. Didn't really show up on the box score, but I, I thought he did. I'm okay with giving him another chance. He was the guy that we kept when we got rid of Peoples-Jones, wasn't it? Yeah, he, we drafted him in the third round this year. Yeah. We need a receiver in the first round. Again, I don't know. I, I, I understand we don't have a first-round pick. Figure out a way to get there. Figure it out. They need an infusion of talent at wide receiver. But, yeah. And it's been weird, too, because the Browns did not have – issues with the drops until like about three weeks ago but it's it's becoming the the outside of the defense being a complete sieve it's becoming the biggest issue on the football team I mean it happened again today Amari Cooper dropped a couple passes today so one of the most sanctimonious things in sports and quite frankly in life is people that think they can do a job that somebody else does better than they can. Yeah. When you when you hear people say like, "Oh, I could have made that play," or "I could have done that better," you know, I, I don't care for that take very often. But 
to use the basketball analogy, like, I'm not an NBA player, and I never will be, but, like, when I see players missing free throws incessantly, it just completely gets under my skin because, like, I feel like, yeah, legitimately, I can shoot free throws better than they can sometimes. You know, and when it comes to – there's only one thing I could maybe do even close to on the level of an NFL player, and that's catching passes. And so when I see these guys just dropping passes, it just – Oh, it just gets under my skin so much. Just, mm, hate it. End of this. So, <laughs> bottom line. Yeah, we need to uh, we need to look forward a little bit because I, I don't really want to talk about the game anymore because this, it's... T- t- so, going back to what you were saying before and what I was saying before about the Browns, the biggest predictor mm-hmm. in how the Browns have played this season has been whether they've been playing at home or away. Yeah. Last second quarterback injuries notwithstanding. Yeah. That being said, Browns have five games left. And the way that they're at seven and five right now. Yep. It really does look like you have, you basically are in a situation where you cannot lose any of your remaining three home games. You cannot do it. Like, right. if you're going to lose games to teams like the Rams on the road, then you better come back and make up for it by beating a team like Jacksonville at home. Yep. You just have to do it. Yep. Because the unfortunate thing is that it looks like the most critical game we have the rest of the season is away at Houston. That, yeah, so, so. That looks like a losing proposition to me at this point. The way Houston's offense has looked under C.J. Stroud and Debico Ryans and the way our defense has played on the road, I mean – so I don't I don't like that at all. The only way that you can lose a game at home the rest of the way is if that game in Houston is a win. Yeah, and I just that has to I be don't it. see it. So you you better beat Jacksonville. Your other remaining two games well, are against I mean, the Bears listen, and the Jets. Yeah, Houston I mean, Houston looks good right now. CJ Stroud was hobbled in that game. You I mean, a lot of things can happen in three weeks. You know True. Stroud and I'm not, and I'm not rooting for this, by the way, because I, I don't, I'm not rooting for injuries unless they're Steelers or Ravens. But, um, you never know. I mean, look at it today. Uh, we talked about it. How many quarterbacks are getting hurt in the league? Kenny Pickett for the Steelers went down today. You know, I mean, it could happen. C.J. Stroud was hobbled today. He finished the game, obviously, and I'm sure he's going to play next week. I mean, what happens if he takes a hit? You know, or he rolls an ankle. Somebody, you know, the hip drop tackle, and somebody rolls on his ankle. He gets a high ankle sprain and is out for a month. That realistically would be the end of Houston's push. Sure, right. I mean, you have to say, but again, you know, that's an ifs and buts kind of scenario. Right now, we Agreed. just got to look at how how things stand as they are today. Yeah, and that game just totally gives me the heebie-jeebies. So, uh, to your point, before we went on the show, you said ten wins might not even be good enough, particularly a scenario where you lose to Houston. So, if that's the case, well, ladies and gentlemen. Not only do you have to win your three remaining home games against Jacksonville, Chicago, and the Jets, and we lose to Chicago or the Jets and just fall <laughs> the Jets right now. Yeah. Turn um, out the line. Then you're still going to need that last game against Cincinnati, which, okay, maybe I'm the sorry. Bengals won't be playing for anything at that point, but it's still a road game. No, so, I agree, but I'm sorry. Like, if we have all to play for in that game and the Bengals are playing guys from off the street and, and backups because they're 6-10, and 10, you can't win that game. I mean, come on. Bengals did us dirty in 07 in the same situation. Yeah, you know, well. I hope, I, you just hope that. We'll see. 
It doesn't. But you know, that's it. Like this game, we this next game NFL. against Jacksonville is like the linchpin to everything because if you win this game, it makes it. I'm not going to say the Browns couldn't not make the playoffs because that would be inaccurate, but their odds of making the playoffs. If I'm doing the whole, um, Oh gosh, the whole percentage play here, Mm -hmm. uh, the Steve Kornacki play, um, probably goes to well over 80%, maybe even gets close to 90%. If they beat the Jaguars, given the fact they still have home games against the bears and the jets and away game against the Bengals who are probably not going to be playing for anything. Well, you lose this game. Oh, boy, you have no margin for error the rest of the way. And you start getting to a point where maybe that Houston game ends up being, if not must win, then really, really important at the very least. You know? Yep. If you go down to Houston 9-5, and it's not going to be life or death. But if you go down there 8-6, and then it very well might be. Mm Mm-hmm. Bottom line is, is that the this is on the Browns' defense. As far as I'm concerned, as far as you're concerned, as far as most people are concerned today, the offense held up their end of the bargain today. They had they had one bad, poorly executed play that resulted in an interception at a bad time in the game, which gave the defense a short field. There were other games this season where they've been set up in bad situations like that, and they've risen up and they've held the team to a field goal. You know that would have made it a four point game. It still would have given the Browns a lot of hope. They did no nothing of the sort in that situation and in any situation in the second half, really. So they have to come out and they have to play against Jacksonville. I'm not necessarily saying like shut them out like they did against Arizona or three points like they did against Tennessee or Cincinnati, but they got to make it so that like 20 points from the offense is good enough to win the game. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Because you're not going to get better than that, most likely. No. The only way we're going to get more points than that is if the defense scores themselves. Defense, remember, are, spe- defense are special teams. Remember when they were doing that? <sighs> yeah, that seems like a long time ago now, right? Well, when did the defense score? Against uh, Baltimore, I think, was the last one they had. Okay. Pick six by Grant Delpit, I think. Okay. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, was the biggest play of the game because they were losing by, what, 11 at the time or something? I, I believe so, yeah. Uh, but... Be that as it may, that that's just that's just the way I see it. And we'll we'll shed more light on this when we look around the league, which I can transition into now if yeah, it's let's do it. about the right. So this is a was a pretty lean week in terms of games played. There were six teams on buys this week. Buffalo, Chicago, Las Vegas, Minnesota, New York Giants, and Baltimore. Is this the last bye week? For all intents and purposes, the Commanders and the Cardinals have buys next week, but both of those teams are out of contention. So for all intents and purposes, this this was the, the last bye week for teams. Uh, going back to Thursday, we had an unbelievably good game on Thursday night between the Seattle Seahawks and the Dallas Cowboys. They went all the way down to the wire. In the end, the Cowboys win the game by 6, 41-35. So Dallas finally beats a team that is at least 500 or over 500 at the time they played them. That was their main criticism up to this point. And Dallas continues to put up a ridiculous amount of points, particularly on their home field. Is that translatable to something that wins in the playoffs? I'm still kind of giving that the side eye, but they are 9-3, and three, so you got to take them pretty seriously, I think, yeah. at this point. 
Seattle has been going the wrong way. They're now six and six, and now kind of in that like wild card bubble in the NFC, which is getting more crowded now based on other play today. Um, going to the one o'clock window today, the Chargers and the Patriots played an absolute stinker of a game. The Chargers <laughs> won that one six to nothing. <laughs> they won six to nothing, and they covered. Yeah, they're favored by five. They scored six points. They scored they six points. They were five-point favorites, and they covered. Six? Wow. Honest to God. And speaking of odd scores, the Atlanta Falcons went to the Meadowlands today, and they come out with a win against the Jets 13-8. to Oh. <laughs> so the Falcons are now 6-6 six and six and are still leading the NFC South, but at least they're not under 500 anymore. The Jets, obviously, are one of the worst teams in football. All of their people are talking about Aaron Rodgers, which for reasons I don't understand because he's not going to have to play this year. I don't care what anybody says. Hmm. So he's certainly not coming back for a team that's not, if not mathematically eliminated, almost eliminated at this point. So I don't get it. There was a good, a couple of good games in the 1 o'clock window today. One of them was in New Orleans. The Lions had a bit of a bounce back after laying a t- complete egg on Thanksgiving. They defeat the Saints 33-28. to New Orleans was feisty in this one, but the Lions made too many plays in the end. Uh, the Lions get to 9-3. and They're right in the heart of the NFC, the NFC race now. Uh, we'll get to why in a minute. Um, definitely needed if you were Detroit because that was an alarming performance on Thanksgiving, and they definitely made right on that. Saints? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, I didn't think the Packers were very good going into Thanksgiving, but I, the Packers uh, don't look now, and we'll get into their what they're doing right now. We're recording as Sunday Night Football is going on. Uh, they are up fourteen to six on the pat on the Chiefs right now. The Packers look resurgent. Yeah, they looked like they, they remember they lost in Pittsburgh because they threw two interceptions and in the end zone. They still won that game too, and they just flubbed that one away because that's what teams do against Pittsburgh. Yeah, by the way, you talk about Pittsburgh, you know, every oh, woe is me, uh, quarterback, Kenny Pickett goes down. Yeah. Stop it. You know what? You know who they have to play? You know who they play next week? They play on Thursday night. You know who they play? The Patriots at home. That's their last easy game. The you and I night, could play quarterback for the Steelers. Especially against New England. And beat New England the way that they're playing right now. Just hand the ball off the entire. Although game. I gotta say, if I was, if I, if I, if I got signed to be the quarterback of the Steelers right now, I'd intentionally throw five picks. Ah. <laughs> double agent. <laughs> Still getting the paycheck. Yep. Uh, yeah, we might as well talk about the Steelers. They laid a turd today, twenty-four to ten. They lose to the Cardinals. And see, I thought they were a shoe in to go to to go to nine and four because they were, they're four. playing nobody. Well. I was going to say 9-4 and four because oh, they, the, they Patriots. the Cardinals and the yeah. Patriots. Well, you never know like now. Well, like... they flubbed this one, and that one hurts because yep. their schedule after they play the Patriots is very tough down the stretch. So, uh, you know, the Cardinals, maybe we caught the Cardinals at the right time. They look like a competent NFL team again. They got Kyler Murray back. Um, Kyler and Murray. I'll tell you what, this rookie tight end that they have, uh, McBride, looks like the real freaking deal. Mm. One game that was uh, – yeah. Odd little bit about this game. This game was suspended twice because of lightning. Yeah, in December. In December in yeah. Pittsburgh. Yeah. How? What? Yeah. 
that's one of the weirder meteor a lot. The, the weather nerd in me is just like, wait, has that ever happened like this far north in an NFL season? Like, I don't think it has. I mean, how often in general do NFL games get delayed because of weather? Uh, I mean, it happens more commonly in the preseason, like week one. But like, right, because you're in the middle of not, summer. You know, like, not now. That's, yeah. I mean, come on. Jeez. But you know, it didn't affect Arizona. Like for a team that's used to playing in dry desert heat, they went right into the wind, the rain and wind and grapple or whatever the hell else was going grapple. on in Pittsburgh today, and they they just took care of business. So good on you, Arizona. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, one game that was not really worth watching: Miami pounded Washington, forty-five to fifteen. Yeah, this um, is this is one where I was like. You know, I've I've for the most part have stayed away from the big lines, and I guess I guess this game it wasn't even that big. It's like nine, but, I, but obviously you couldn't have made this line big enough, and, and then <laughs> and Miami would have covered. I mean, this would have been like a uh, this this is a line that you would see for a MAC team going up like into Ohio yeah. Stadium or something. Miami is the AFC's version of Dallas. They're nine and three. They haven't beaten a good team all year. They played. They've beaten only one team that's even five hundred. In their case, it's Denver, who they laid seventy on. But granted, yeah. they caught Denver at a good time because Denver was playing horrible at the time. Yep. So, are the Dolphins really legit? I mean, maybe. I mean, I guess we'll still have to find out. They play some good teams down the stretch. Um, but with this concerns the Commanders. So, like, we there have been two head coaches fired this year: Frank Reich and Josh McDaniels. Yep. How in the world? Has Ron Rivera not been fired yet? Well, I cannot I, believe that he's getting he's getting fired at the end of the year. Um, man, yeah the 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 Commanders had the new ownership come in in the middle of the season, and they're they're basically like, yeah, this season doesn't matter, and they're just gonna this Black Monday, they're just gonna blow everybody out of that out of that uh, facility. Certainly. I mean, I, at this point, you, if you're on their coaching staff, you might as well just like, I don't know, you're just going through the motions. Like, you're probably well, you're, you're not even answering your emails barely. And out, yeah, you're, but I mean, you're coaching, about... you're coaching to audition for other jobs. I mean, these guys, these guys know what's going on. So all the, everybody on the, everybody on the commander's coaching staff, I mean, they're, they're coaching, they're trying to coach to try and get another job. You know, Ron, you know, Ron Rivera probably is not, he's not going to coach again in the NFL. He's got enough money saved up and. You know, he's I mean, he's not a younger guy, but like everybody else on that coaching staff has, has got to find another job. So. Yeah, it's days getting long there. So getting to the good games in the one o'clock window, you had the Broncos play the Texans. And this was one that if you're a Browns fan, you're looking at scoreboard watching because both of these teams came in at six and five. It was a game that came down to the very end, and in the end, with nursing a five-point lead, the Texans pick off Russell Wilson in the end zone on the second-to-last play of the game. They win the game 22-17. to That is a massive win for Houston. They're now 7-5. and Denver drops to 6-6 six and six with the loss. On paper, this would seem to be a good result for the Browns because we lost to the Broncos straight up, and had they won this game, they would have jumped us in the, in the uh, standings. So we still have our say on Houston. Again, I don't like our chances in that game based on what I'm seeing right now. But, you know, it's a week-to-week league. I could be saying something completely different after next week. So um, fact of the matter is, is the Browns and Texans are tied at 7-5 and five now. So still all to play for there. And then speaking of another team that the Browns are having to deal with in the wild card race, Indianapolis, they played an overtime game against the Titans which only went to overtime because the Titans missed a PAT on what should have been the go-ahead touchdown yep. in the fourth quarter. 
And that game goes to overtime. Tennessee gets a field goal on the opening possession, but then the Colts go down and score a touchdown following that and come out with a 31 to 28 win. That is a, that would have been a crushing loss for Indianapolis if they would have lost this game, but they pull through. They're now seven and five. And again, right in that seven and five mix along with Cleveland, Houston and Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. you know, right in that, that wild card chase. So, yeah. And right now, three of those teams are in. I don't know which is the odd team out at the moment, but uh, that's those are the teams that we're looking at having to hold off. Right now, Pittsburgh's got the tiebreaker on us. That could change because they still have a game in Baltimore, and I think they still have to play the Bengals again. So depending on right the results now, in those games, that could swing. They showed the graphic uh, at the end of the, the Browns-Rams game. Uh, Steelers were fifth, Browns were sixth, and I think the Colts were seventh. It would depend on who won head-to-head between Indy and Houston. I think the Colts are seventh. Okay, I believe. Yeah, that would that would make sense, particularly if Indianapolis beat Houston head-to-head. But yeah, we're hanging on by a thread here now. It's not as secure as it was a few weeks ago. No, but I mean, go beat go beat Jacksonville, and then you know see what happens elsewhere in the AFC, and you know we might have a little bit of a you know cushion rebuilt you know we had we had a decent cushion going into these two games and we stepped all over our you know what the last two weeks and that is now gone only a few more games to cover here you got the buccaneers and the panthers the buccaneers won this game narrowly 21 to 18 they needed this game to have really any shot still left at the nfc south title which is the only way they'll get into the playoffs most likely especially Um, with the the saints losing to detroit they saints they had an opportunity today. Yeah, Saints and Bucks are five and seven, a game behind Atlanta at six and six. And then the game that everybody was watching in the four o'clock window, unless you were in Ohio or sort of Southern California, which was funny story. Not true. My, Not actually my, true. Because Fox apparently I don't know who's working for Fox, but when the Browns game started, uh they were showing the Eagles in the 49ers game. Oh, were they really? Oh yeah. For like the first like two or three minutes, they had they did they they're the uh uh, they're like, oh, now we're going to take you to America's Game of the Week where the San Francisco 49ers travel to Philadelphia. And we're sitting in my brother's house. And we're like, what the hell is going on? Because you, <laughs> you, like, you go back to the guide, and it says it says Cleveland Browns at L.A. Rams. And then you click on it, and it's showing Lincoln Financial Field, and, and they're about to kick off. Like what is so I go on social media and everybody's did like their game kicked everybody's off before like, ours did no same exact time four twenty five weird so you go on it's like uh, WTF uh, what the hell's going on why am I watching 49ers Eagles right now ah. holy crap <laughs> somebody call Fox somebody better be getting fired at Fox 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 <laughs> yeah people were freaking out man <laughs> well. Instead of watching a Browns loss, you could have watched Brock Purdy and Debo Samuel and company go crazy in Philadelphia. Yeah, champions pose the, for that one. Giving the Eagles their first home loss, and I don't even know since when. Yeah. Uh, 42 to 19. What a beatdown. What a statement for the 49ers uh, over Philly. And, you know, this is a case of like, you get all the. I got the. Every game I picked right today, except for the Browns and the Eagles. Hmm. That's just kind of hollow. It's like I would have rather gone two and four than four and two. Sure. You know? That's that's I'd rather go I'd rather go old well what in one and four today instead of potentially, even though it doesn't look like it right now, going four and one like I'm in line to do if Kansas City would get their head out of their ass. Uh yeah, hundred percent. I'm the same way with you. 
So let me get this straight. You're the you, pickskin pick them the last three weeks. Five and zero, oh, mm-hmm. six and two, mm-hmm. and currently three and one. At now, so this week pending the the Sunday night game, which isn't going well at the moment, but there's there's still time for that. Yeah, to don't worry, out. I'm throwing all that money back on parlays that I keep putting together and keep losing. I guess you just need to stop playing parlays <laughs> for a while. I need to. <laughs> I lost You're a I lo- and three the last three weeks. I on. lost I lost a big parlay today because Christian McCaffrey had three receiving uh, receptions instead of four. And he had three, re- and he had three receptions with about like eleven minutes left in the game. I thought, oh my god, I'm about to hit this. No. Well, after this game, I don't want to hear any talk about Brock Purdy not being elite. Sorry, like. Oh, I, I, I it just, I, it's something that I, you know, I've been talking about for the better part of a year now. He's I not, mean, a, he's not elite. I don't know what more the guy has to do. Quite he's frankly. not elite. I mean, other than like what, win a Super Bowl? He's not elite. I mean, he's very good. He's already he's won playoff elite. games too. So. He's very good. He's not elite. Let's. Let's not. Uh, I've listen. I said it when 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 San Francisco went on that that skid. That offense is deep. Like Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in football. That offense is Debo Samuel. That that's how that offense goes. When he's not in there, they are they are pedestrian. How come the same? Well, this is this is kind of a side argument, but like, if people go after Brock Purdy for having such a great supporting cast, why is does it seem like they don't go after Joe Burrow for the same thing? He's got the best receiving core in football underneath him. I think people do. You think people discredit Joe Burrow because of his receiving cost? I don't think they discredit it. Uh, It just just seems odd to me that it seems like one guy gets hit with that sort of discreditation and the other's doesn't but be that as it may Sunday night football is the Chiefs against the Packers the Packers are up 14 to 6 right now it's right before halftime I mean uh, Brock Purdy doesn't put up doesn't put up as many numbers as Joe Burrow does and Joe Burrow was a number one overall pick I mean maybe that's just it like I mean he did today he threw for 300 yards you, and four touchdowns you think if a few years on in the league nobody would care where you got drafted but it, evidently it still happens I'd well, I just don't. I just. I mean, I just don't think. I just don't think Brock Purdy's as good as Joe Burrow. Hmm. I mean, you're certainly entitled to that opinion. That is the majority opinion. I just. I don't know. Like if like if you had an opportunity to draft Brock Purdy or Joe Burrow, who would you draft? Joe Burrow's more injury prone than Brock Purdy is, so that's. I mean, that'd is, be part I mean, of my calculation. Is he? I think so. I mean, Brock Purdy, the only reason why you think that is because Brock Purdy got hurt and you didn't see him play again because it was the offseason. Brock Purdy had to have elbow surgery because he got hurt in the NFC title game. And then he got hurt this year. He missed a couple games. Burrow missed almost half a season his rookie year. He's going to miss half a season this year. That's true. Now you can maybe just blame the Bengals' offensive line for that to some degree, but... Well, I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, like, like a lot of it has to do with the fact that when he got injured. I mean, I think if Joe Burr, if if Brock Purdy had gotten injured in Week Six last year, had that injury instead of the NFC Championship game, and he missed wouldn't the entire starting, year last year, wouldn't be a starting quarterback today. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you you probably wouldn't have the same opinion. It's yeah, timing sure, is a lot of it. Not. What it does do is it underscores the discussion we've had pretty much all year about. 
teams with healthy quarterbacks <sighs> relative to the ones that aren't. Well, you're you're not you're not wrong there. <sighs> yeah, so, I uh, I yeah. Listen, I'm not trying to dis I'm not trying to discredit Brock Purdy. What I will say, which I think is for me is the trump card between a potential Joe Burrow and Brock Purdy debate is. Brock Purdy came into a team that was ready-made to to win and go. Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick, which means the Cincinnati Bengals were the worst team in the NFL when he came in. We're not, yeah. They and we we talked and I listenly that season about how bad they were. I agree. Joe Burrow has an insane uh, supporting cast, but you know he did not walk into that. You know, uh, Chase I think was drafted the year after he was drafted. Uh and I don't remember when T. Higgins was drafted, but yeah, uh, the offensive line in I think Tyler Boyd was the only one of the three Boyd was there. was there. Boyd and Mixon were there. Yeah, Mixon was there as well. But Cincinnati has all has uh, going back to the days of Andy Dalton have just had a woeful offensive line, um, and Brock Purdy got put into probably maybe the best offensive line in football when he got into. And listen, I whatever both of the quarterbacks are great. You know, Brock Purdy threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns today. I'm not trying to poo-poo on him, but I would take – I mean, I would take Joe Burrow. And I'm not really a Joe that big of a Joe Burrow guy. But, mm. you know. Resumming everything up here. So, in the AFC, you've got Miami, Baltimore at 9-3. and three. You've got Jacksonville at 8-3. and three. They play tomorrow night against Cincinnati. Kansas City also at 8-3 and three playing right now. You'll know by the time you hear this whether they won that game or not. So pretty much you got four teams, three losses in the loss column, and then you have that second tier, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis, and Houston, all seven and five. And then beyond them, you've got Buffalo and Denver sitting at six and six. So those ten teams are the teams that are competing for the seven spots in the AFC. Yeah. And if you're the Browns, you can't afford to drop any lower than you are right now because it's just gonna I mean then the pressure really starts mounting. Even though you're playing bad teams theoretically in Chicago and New York, like it just yeah, you know, it gets to be sweaty palms time. You know, you just yeah, you, you don't want that. And then that that game against Houston, as we say, would take on even more importance as well. Looking over on the NFC side, the Eagles are still first at ten and two, but they definitely took a hit today. Dallas, Detroit, and San Fran are all nine and three. And then beyond that, it's a pretty severe drop-off after that. You have no one else over 500. The next best teams after that are Minnesota, 6-6, six and six, Atlanta, 6-6, six and six, and the Rams and Seattle, all 6-6. Six and six. Green Bay can hop into that group if they win Boy, tonight. You talk about, uh, you just look at Seattle and the Rams. Just three weeks ago, Seattle was 6-3. and three. The Rams were 3-6. and six. Yeah, Seattle looked like a surefire playoff team, and the Rams were like, we were wondering what draft pick they that were going to get. That game where the Rams went into Seattle and won. Actually, that game was at SoFi, but oh, yes, was it? Okay. but yes, that game was. We were looking at that result. We're like, how did the Rams win that game? Well, that was a talk about your you know all time turnaround kind of games. I mean, Seattle hasn't won since, and the Rams haven't lost since. Yeah. So those. So you got four, and then four. So those eight teams are pretty much your contenders in the NFC. You have the the addition of Tampa and New Orleans just because they could possibly win the division because Atlanta is I mean, I don't think Atlanta's gonna be running away with it. So Yeah. But anyway, that's that's the deal there. I mean, really the NFC is very top heavy. It's very 
it's still frankly hard for me to see anyone but Philly or San Fran coming out of the NFC. You could possibly make an argument for Detroit or Dallas. They the, they, game, are, they are good. Eagles and Dallas play next week, right? Yes, they do. That game so is be, massive because if, if you're Dallas, that's a must win. If oh, you yeah. really have any aspiration for the playoffs because sure. Dallas is just like the Browns in the sense that they are so hard to beat on their home field. Seems like they're putting up 40 plus points almost every home game. On the road, they're just not the same team. Yeah. So you got to be going all out to try to catch Philly, and now you've got an opportunity. So that game next Sunday night is going to be huge. Detroit, honestly, they're looking a lot better than they did six days ago because after Thanksgiving, you were thinking, oh, boy, Minnesota can get back to within a game just by beating Chicago at home, which looked like a layup, and they completely blew it. So now Lions are looking very good. Um, And you never know. I mean – I mean, they're going to be big Cowboys fans next week, you would imagine. If it, they win and the Eagles lose next week, they pull even with them as well, and presumably yeah. Sam Fran. Who knows? They could be even in this mix for the one seed. Which yeah. Is, which was like most people thought the Lions were going to be, you know, potentially in this thing. I don't think anybody was thinking possible number one seed. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, like you said, Dan Campbell – you know, I mean, they're probably sick about that game on Thanksgiving, but for the most part, they have really taken care of business this season. So, yeah, I agree. But that's that's the lay of the land in the NFL, folks. We were flying high two weeks ago, and now we are. It's almost like you know the plane analogy. Like, yeah, we're cruising. It's at 30, a, it, we're cruising altitude two weeks ago, and now like the ground proximity warning system is just yeah, it's alarmed. It's, it's desperate times. I think I think the biggest thing that I want to see from the Browns uh, on Sunday is I need to see them play with a desperation next Sunday against Jacksonville. They need to play like the season is on the line on Sunday. And and in a lot of aspects, it is. Now, obviously, you know, in some universe, the Browns could lose on Sunday, fall to 7-6, and six, and then win the last four games of the season, finish 11-6, and six, and they're in the playoffs. But... They need, especially defensively, let's hope that that road-to-home split works and the Browns come out and play dominant defensively uh, on Sunday. Because, listen, you don't always think of the Jacksonville Jaguars as a really good football team. They're a really good football team. And they, assuming that they beat the all-of-a-sudden hapless Bengals tomorrow night, uh, they are going to be coming into Cleveland, uh, you know, hitting on all cylinders. So, I think I think the I think the the Jacksonville has won like seven out of eight or something like that, six out of seven something. Yeah, they didn't start. Very I think well, they started like two and two. But then they they played those two games in London, and that yep. kind of just that, turned it around yeah. for them. That, the that only jump team, started their the whole only season. team they've lost to in this stretch was San Fran, who came in and just and kicked their ass. Them. Yeah. So and, anyway, yourself, I need to stop betting against the 49ers. <laughs> it's not working for me. Listen, if Debo Samuel's healthy, do not bet against the 49ers. That's all I got to say. Maybe when it comes down to the playoffs and they're on the road, you know, whatever. But yeah. Debo's healthy, McCaffrey's healthy, and Purdy's in there. Don't bet against the 49ers. They literally have not lost when Debo Samuel has played this year. So, 
Wow. Uh, yeah, he missed three games at the three-game losing streak that they lost. So, in other words, the Browns caught them at a good time. Yeah, exactly. They started it. The Browns started it. Unlike, well, unlike the, the Ravens. Okay. So I am wrong. Debo Samuel got hurt in the Browns game. So technically he played. So in any game that he played and finished, yes. they have not yeah. lost. So anyway, that's going to do it for the postgame show. Uh, yeah, Browns need to win next week. I'm throwing the gauntlet down. It is must win uh, game of the year next week. So. Uh, anyway, thanks for listening. Appreciate you guys as always. This has been the LOTL Browns postgame show. You can follow us on social media at Stiffs McGee and at Daniel J. Ford. You can follow the show at the LOTL podcast. And we will catch you guys next week. Fingers crossed for better vibes. See ya. Bye.